Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at dcaureview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to the DCAU Review. This is bonus episode number four. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Cal. With me, as he has been for each and every one of our episodes thus far, and will be for every episode in the future, (laughs) it's my good brother. And the biggest Robin fan I know, Liam. Welcome to bonus episode number four of the DCAU Review. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna try to do our best here to give you a little bonus uh, episode here, and and just try to take your mind off things for a while. And uh, what a fun topic we have, as we're gonna pick uh, five of our favorite uh, versions of Robin in animation. That's right. Um, now, if you have not joined us for one of our bonus episodes before, you can definitely check those out in the archives at dcaureview.com. You can actually uh, break it down by category. We have all of our bonus episodes together. The very first bonus bonus episode we did was a five favorite jokers. Uh, we talked about the different jokers in animation. Um, so today we get the exciting opportunity to talk about Robin. Liam, it's just so coincidental that we're doing a Robin episode the same week that uh, DC Comics released the 80th anniversary issue of Robin himself, celebrating 80 years of the Boy Wonder. Absolutely. Um, it's really interesting. And I, I was reading something that uh, James Tynion IV, who is the current writer of the ongoing Batman comic book, as well as he's, he's written detective comics and he's done a lot of work with, uh, with, with Batman and several of the Robins, but he mentioned that he felt that Robin is really kind of a big turning point in the history of comics because it took Batman from being this sort of pulp, uh, shadowy, uh, almost, almost a little bit, still a little more grounded and gritty hero, something like the shadow um, and turned him into more of the modern superhero archetype and sort of how important Robin was to that transition. And so, yeah, I mean, if, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, uh, coming in here as, as a 80th anniversary, he kind of gets to be along with Batman and Superman, you know, one of those one of those pillars of 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 the of DC Comics history. He sure does. And you're right. It adds. Uh, we've talked about it in the episodes that have uh, that he's been featured in in the standard episodes that we've done of the DCAU review, and uh, we'll, we'll get a chance to talk about uh, maybe one of those in just a little bit here. But uh, he really adds to the dark from the dark character. He adds the the silver lining, the the light side of things. He balances Batman out. He's a character, like you said, and and even in the the more recent. You know, since the 89 Batman grittiness sort of returned mm-hmm. to the Batman characters or since the the Dark Knight Returns sort of brought that grittiness back to Batman, 
Uh, he still has provided a a sort of light side to Batman, no matter which Robin was carrying that mantle, whether it was Dick Grayson, uh, then passed, of course, to Jason Todd in the comics, and then to your favorite Robin, Tim Drake, and then now everybody's least favorite Robin, Damian <laughs> Wayne. Um, <laughs> I, I guess maybe there are some Damian fans out there. I, I don't know, but I'm sure they I know. Are. I know in general, uh, he has a very similar reputation to, I think, that that uh, Jason Todd had in the, in the 80s. So um, it, from from whatever whatever ca- character is carrying that mantle of Robin, it always balances Batman out. It creates um, it creates humanity to the, the bat creature. Uh, and uh, and, you know, they've done a great job of developing each of those individual uh, incarnations of Robin, whether it is Grayson, whether it is Jason Todd, who of course was killed and now has been reborn, and then uh, t- Tim Drake. Um, William, talk talk a little bit. Uh, this gives you the opportunity before we get into our top <laughs> five here. Uh, I know how much you love Tim Drake, so um, I'll give you the opportunity here just to talk about just your feelings and why why you love the Robin character so much. Yeah, and and to your point, Cal, it's it's he brings that bright. Uh, bright side of it to it and specifically with uh, the Tim Drake character they they sort of created this story where Batman in the in light of the death of Jason Todd the second Robin had sworn off ever working with a with a teenage partner again and he was just getting angrier and and more violent and more sloppy and so they created this character called Tim Drake who uh happened to have been in the audience as a small child the night that Dick Grayson's parents were killed and then sort of was this brilliant kid who was sort of put, was able to put two and two together watching footage of the flying Graysons and then watching footage of Robin uh, Dick Grayson and realized that they, they were performing the exact same aerial acrobatic maneuvers. And so you immediately set up that this guy is, is this kid is really smart and sort of brings a completely different skill set to the table as as any Robin had previously. And then, uh, but the the hallmark of the Tim Drake character to me is that he doesn't immediately run and put the suit on. Um, it's actually very similar. We talked about that back when we reviewed uh, the first episodes of Batman Beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very similarly uh, in in those episodes, Terry McGinnis does not rush to put on the bat suit when he finds out Bruce Wayne is Batman he begs Bruce to put the suit on and go stop, uh, stop the bad guys. And only when Bruce refuses, does Terry put on the suit. And similarly, uh, Tim Drake realizes that, that Batman needs a Robin. And so he goes to Dick Grayson and asks him to become Robin again. And uh, Dick ultimately refuses and, and goes off to try to help things as this Nightwing character that he'd become. And, uh, so with no one else there to put it to, uh, to put the pieces back together, that's when, when Tim Drake became Robin. And, uh, so I, I always love that little wrinkle to the character that he isn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily a place of ego or, a, uh, you know, seeking adventure that brought him to the Robin role. It was a, a necessity to bring Batman back from that abyss and, and remind him of, of the good in the world and, and the, the, the brightness in that darkness, as, as you mentioned. And yeah, that's, and to an extent uh, you're, you're absolutely right. That's, that's what all Robins can do. And, 
and uh but certainly for me my my love of robins was definitely built on uh on the back of those tim drake robin comics from the from the 90s and into the 2000s there we go all right well i guess that will be a good segue to get into talking about our five favorite robins here we're going to be talking about now as we talked about on our joker episode which again you can listen to in the archives at dcaureview.com these are not necessarily we're not ranking these from number five to number one or number one to number five Um, these are just ones that we wanted to talk about and uh we're gonna talk about maybe specific moments or or things about these uh these versions of the characters and the performances by the voice actors that we really enjoyed here liam but uh these are not this isn't a comprehensive list and we reserve the right to uh, (laughs) include some additional ones in the future should we be uh so inclined Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, starting off the list, we're, we're going to kind of bookend this with the, the main DCAU Robins. And uh, obviously, when we got to the, when we finished the original run of Batman the Animated Series, and it was announced that there would be more episodes of Batman that would be paired with the Superman Animated Series, and we found out, well, the animation style's changing, and oh man, there's a new Robin, and Dick Grayson's becoming Nightwing. It was it was a big, uh, huge shift in the in the uh, the normalcy of the of the DCAU at that moment to bring in a younger child, uh, you know, more child age Robin, because in the original Batman the animated series, uh, Dick Grayson was already sort of a college student when we when we meet that Robin for the first time. So, seeing that very youthful young take on Robin was a big deal. But uh, Matt Matt Valencia. Uh, who provided the voice for Robin in the new Batman adventures really gave that character an interesting edge to it because while the character was named Tim Drake, he tended to have a lot more in common as far as an origin story. And as far as a personality went with the Jason Todd character, he was sort of those two molded into one. And uh, this, this Mm -hmm. was, uh, this was just a whole different animal than what we were used to to, with Robin when, uh, when this character debuted. Yeah, he like you said, he he the the great thing about and I know that they talked about this on one of probably on one of the DVD commentaries from this, but what they really wanted to to introduce Tim Drake, but they they wanted to include some of those things and really make it that amalgam of those two characters. So bringing in a younger and by younger, I mean a much younger, you know, we were introduced to the Dick Grayson Robin in Batman the animated series. He's a, he's a college aged, you know, anywhere from 18 to 21 year old uh, young adult, as opposed to this teenage 13 maybe 13 14 year old robin that uh, really brings some youthful exuberance to the bat cave and uh, has some definitely some memorable interactions with alfred and um yeah it was it was a different style of robin and i know that rang true and 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 sort of uh, was near and dear to your heart growing up watching because these these new batman adventures uh, episodes were on right in the heart of your childhood the you know batman animated yes. series debuted before you were even born so these episodes are the ones that you saw on a more regular basis and the ones that you could identify with so having a teenage robin even if that a teenager is still you know 10 years or nine years older than you were when these episodes were debuting had to have had to have uh, been been more near and dear to you and 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 felt more relatable 
Yeah, and it, it was it was interesting because obviously the having a younger Robin and not having that sort of negate the serious tone that these these DCAU cartoons that these Batman episodes were known for it was I'm sure a, a tough balancing act for uh, for these creators but they they managed to do it where yeah you believed that this kid who is maybe rough around the edges he's obviously not as he hasn't been trained nearly as long he isn't as good of a fighter or uh, probably as good of a detective as Batman or Robin or Batgirl or as Nightwing or, or back or Batgirl are, but he can, uh, you know, he has this grit to him and this determination and this, her- these heroic qualities to him. But at the, at the heart of it, they really do establish that he is a, still a really good, you know, a good person. And he, and he wants to fight for what's right. And, Perfect example of that uh, is probably one of my favorite episodes of certainly of the new Batman Adventures run, which is an episode called Growing Pains, which we have not reviewed in full yet, and we will get to that somewhere down the line. But uh, that that episode is centered around Robin trying to help this young homeless girl who has amnesia, and uh, throughout the throughout the episode Batman is kind of continually telling him to drop it and leave it alone. And we've got to focus on these other problems. And Robin is, is very defiant in, in wanting to help this girl. And, and as, as comic book plots and, and cartoon plots would have it, it turns out that she's in fact, a minion of a part of Clayface, and And Robin is sort of thrust into trying to face down one of the most physically, uh, terrifying villains in the whole Batman rogues gallery. Uh, and at the end of the episode, we're sort of left with this message that it's, it, it isn't, it isn't always going to be a happy ending and that have having seeing that type of story and told through the eyes of someone closer to my age, it absolutely uh, felt at home because again, these are kids and it's fun and it's an adventure and they're superheroes, but it does hit that that the moral of the story in, in that particular episode uh, for Robin being that, hey, sometimes the bad guy wins and sometimes things mm-hmm. don't work out perfectly well is is uh, is really it's a really tough thing to, to hear and to, to see when you're when you're a kid. But it really stu- it sticks with me to this day. And, and that version of that Robin character uh, even though it is is as we mentioned, sort of an amalgam of a couple of different Robins, the uh, the new Batman Adventures Tim Drake Robin does really stick with me because of those qualities. Sometimes there are no happy endings. We'll book them on the robberies in B and E, right? Anything else? Yeah, murder. Absolutely, and, um, and and like you said, I, I think we alluded this uh, to one of the other episodes that we talked about. We've talked a lot about Growing Pains recently, so it's, yeah. it's funny that we, that we talked about that recently on another episode. But yeah, that episode in and of itself, just the performances in that and Matt Valencia's ability to really um, really show emotion and, and give another side of that. When, we're, when we are first introduced to Robin, he's, he's very quippy, 
Um, he's, you know, he's very young. One of your favorite, probably, if not your favorite line from the, uh, from the introduction of the Tim Drake character, you know, he's, he's throwing, he's wearing the Robin suit for the very first time and throwing these uh, film reels at Two-Face and using mm-hmm. all kinds of puns and, and jokes with that. And um, so for, to go from that and, and then really give that dimension to that character that had a heart that, um, you know, clearly, whether they intended it or not, laid laid the groundwork for some of that division later on that would play out in Batman Beyond Return of the Joker and give the opportunity for that, that redemption arc where Bruce finally goes to visit Tim Drake in the hospital after yeah. the event of Batman Beyond Return of the Joker are, are, are finished. So, yeah, absolutely. Like, that, that version of the character is probably 1A for me. 1A for me. Um mm-hmm. As, as far as the 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 animated versions of Robin, yeah, that's a that's a great point. And moving on to, uh, I think one it's interesting. So the Batman ran for five seasons. They did uh, was that fifty two episodes. So you couldn't you can't exactly say it had a short short run, and you couldn't mm-hmm. say necessarily that it was underrated because it was around for a long time and it sold toys and. Uh, you know, they had Happy Meal things and, and things like that. So you couldn't say it's underrated. But I think as time has gone on, people don't necessarily talk about this series as much. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, we'll be reviewing another episode of it uh, coming up very soon as as mm-hmm. part of our regular episodes. But um, in the in the fourth season, interestingly enough, they started out the show. It was a young Batman show. He's in his. I think they I think they say in the first episode it's his his second or third year as Batman. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the early seasons are are the Batman meeting his rogues gallery for the first time and some of his other supporting characters. And they actually and they actually went as far as to introduce Batgirl first in this show. She actually came in in the third season. And then finally in the fourth season, once Robin uh, was no longer part of another show, which we may or may not be talking about later in our list, <laughs> um, he was allowed to to be in the Batman, and they brought him in in the season four premiere, which was called A Matter of Family. And it's interesting because it's it's the Dick Grayson character, a younger version than we certainly than we see in Batman the animated series, but. They they once again don't shy away from while they don't physically show Dick Grayson's parents dying. They do. Uh, it, it is a plot point of the episode and uh, a, a young man named Evan Sabara provides the voice. And it's once again, you, you certainly feel for that character in the moment when when Zuko and his pr- protection racket have sabotage the circus and, and Dick's parents are, are killed and, and Bruce, Bruce and Bruce Wayne has to swoop in and take care of Dick Grayson. Uh, and again, in this case, a, a younger version than, than we saw in, uh, in Batman, the animated series, certainly. Hello, Dick. I'm Bruce Wayne. I'm sorry about your loss. Thanks, Mr. Wayne, for everything. I heard you paid for all this. So how are you holding up? I'll be okay. At least, that's what everyone's been telling me. I miss them. It's just not fair.
anyway. Thanks again. His parents were all the family that boy had. That's why I've decided to take him in. As a foster son. If he'll have me. I was lucky enough to have you to guide me through those dark days, Alfred. Dick deserves the same. Welcome home, Dick. It's, uh, it's, it feels very, uh, it's very emotional. We get to the heart of that, the main part of that episode, the ending. Batman has sort of been captured by Zuko and the rest of his crew. And Dick puts on the Robin suit for the first time and actually saves Batman's life and uh, ultimately decides to uh, allow his devotion to justice to take over rather than uh, rather than trying to exact more permanent revenge on, on Zuko or his cronies. And uh, Batman, I love the scene at the end, Cal, Bat, Batman and Robin are sort of standing standing around talking things out and Batman tells him that he doesn't think that he that Bruce Wayne would be a good a good mentor for Dick Grayson <laughs> but perhaps but perhaps the Batman would and uh and they they and uh Batman brings up well we need to give you a name and uh, Dick recalls that his mother uh, liked to refer to him as her little Robin. And it's this really simple, sweet moment. But they, the, again, packing all of that into it, you you give us the character, the personality of Dick Grayson, while also packing in this sort of classic comic book origin. It was a lot to handle, but I think the Batman did it pretty well. Yeah, and that, that, that speaks volumes to, I think, like you said, sort of the underrated nature of that series the fact that that series was geared towards a skewed towards a little bit younger of an audience it was not geared towards the same audience from the batman the the animated series or the dcau with uh plenty of storylines that we've we've talked about that are more uh, geared towards adult you know adult in nature um so they did they did have that sort of working against them when they decided to do those darker storylines. So the fact that they were able to sort of pull that off and do so in a way that was effective, um, really, really well done. Agreed. And moving on to number three on our list, this is a Robin. Well, really it's Robin when he's all grown up as, as you mentioned, Cal, the Jason Todd character went down a very dark road in the comics and was ultimately murdered by the Joker but through the magic of comic books, uh, that was not the end for the Jason Todd character. For, for several years in, in the main DC Comics line, he sort of hung over uh, the, all of the Batman books at this sort of cautionary tale, both for the Robins that followed him, but also for, for Batman himself, for you know, the guilt and the, the sadness uh, that that Bruce Wayne and Batman fe- feel for having failed Jason Todd and 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 not being able to save him, but then a little character called the Red Hood popped up in the comics, and that is actually our number three. Here is we have Jensen Eccles as Jason Todd slash the Red Hood in the Batman Under the Red Hood animated film. 
Yeah, and um, I, I we did review this actually, and that was uh, episode fifty, which you can hear in the archives at dcaureview.com. Uh, we did tackle that Batman under the Red Hood movie, and uh, from my recollection, now it was nearly fifty episodes ago, uh, <laughs> but I, I think I was a little critical of the of Jensen Ackles. Uh, um, performance i think at times in the movie it could be really wooden however towards the end of the film there is one scene and uh coincidentally i think we talked about the same scene on our joker episode but there's a there's a scene and and it plays out very well uh ripped directly from the panels of the comic book where it's batman red hood and the joker all in this room together and batman is is sort of appealing to red hoods um i guess his his nature from when he was robin uh, and the, the training that batman gave him and not seeking vengeance and not taking a life and why they didn't believe that and and red hood just kind of calls batman out on it you know and and jensen eccles performance in that scene alone i think uh is worthy of being on this because it's such an emotionally charged scene where he's just pouring his heart out and and really calling batman out for not only not doing not stopping the joker from and being able to save him from his initial death from the get-go but also, not doing anything about the Joker the hundreds of times that he's escaped Arkham since. I don't know what clouds your judgment worse. Your guilt or your antiquated sense of morality. Bruce, I forgive you for not saving me. But why? Why on God's earth? Is he still alive? <laughs> Gotta give the boy points. He came all the way back from the dead to make this shindig happen. So, who's got a camera? Ooh, ooh, get one of me and the kid first. Then you and me, then the three of us, and then one with the crowbar. Then... You'll be as quiet as possible, or I'll put one in your lap first. Party pooper. No cake for you. Ignoring what he's done in the past... Blindly, stupidly disregarding the entire graveyards he's filled, the thousands who have suffered, the friends he's crippled. You know, I thought, I thought I'd be the last person you'd ever let him hurt. If it had been you that he'd beat to a bloody pulp, if he had taken you from this world, I would have done nothing but search the planet for this pathetic pile of evil death-worshipping garbage and send him off to hell. You don't understand. I don't think you've ever understood. What? What, your moral code just won't allow for that? It's too hard to cross that line. Why? I'm not talking about killing Penguin or Scarecrow or Dent. I'm talking about him. Just him. And doing it because... Because he took me away from you. I can't. I'm sorry. That is so sweet. Well, you won't have a choice. Yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a really interesting look at that. I mean, that's something I think that's really integral and important to the Batman character. Is this 
somewhat maybe arbitrary to some people this moral code that he has his refusal to kill his enemies to attempt in some ways sent he doesn't send them to jail he sends them to a psychiatric hospital like he's trying to save them and and to your point uh, jensen eccles as, as jason todd um give gives this impassioned speech about first of all think about all the other people he's murdered and friends he's crippled and then tell me why it he basically asks batman why didn't you love me enough to kill him <laughs> which is a right. really weird messed up thing to ask somebody but that's kind of the whole point of the story is i'm not asking you to kill the penguin and the joker or the penguin and the riddler and catwoman i want you to kill i wanted you to kill him because he took me away from you is is uh it's it's very it's very gripping. I think Jensen Ackles' performance is really good in that scene. But yeah, that that Red Hood character, and it's one of those things where if you if you looked on it on paper, like we're gonna bring Jason Todd back, and he's gonna be this edgy guy in like a motorcycle helmet who's got guns, and he's kind of gonna become like the DC's Punisher type character. I think maybe you could look at that and go, man, that feels like. 90s image comics or something like it feels real edgy for the sake of edgy and stuff like that but the depth that uh, that character has been given in his his literal second life I think is is really special and that was that was definitely on on full display in in that scene and in the under the red hood movie concur Moving on to our fourth selection one that is once again very very near and dear to my heart especially Cal and this uh, this version it's kind of a tie because it's the same voice actor but he's played Robin <laughs> in uh, in two different ways and that would be Scott Menville's Robin first in the uh, Glenn Murakami produced Teen Titans series uh, which began airing in two thousand and three uh, which ran for five seasons and it's a it it's interesting because obviously that show was geared again towards younger viewers towards a, mm-hmm. a younger audience. It's more, a, more of a straight up adventure show. Um, it's still got mm-hmm. great action, great visuals and, and fun voice performances. But I mean, you, you take a character like Robin who, who is, he's not completely humorless, but he's certainly probably the most serious member of his team. And you give a voice actor or any actor a line like Titans go and that could become very hokey and very <laughs> silly. It could become a, you know, like you almost hear it the same way you would hear like Thundercats or <laughs> I Have the Power from He-Man or, or something like that. Or, Captain or Avengers or Assemble. Or yes. Avengers <laughs> Assemble. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, shots fired. Well, so, whoopsie. Um, <laughs> but uh, they found, they just had this great balance between... Uh, the humor, but still taking the serious part seriously. And uh, Scott Menville, especially getting to play off of uh, Ron Perlman as Slade in, uh, especially in the, in the first couple seasons there was, it was special. And it, it, it certainly made an impact on me because it, I think fi- me being able to understand that there can be a balance between humor and light and, and, you know, superheroes can tell very serious, important stories, but they can also, be lighter and, f- and funnier at the same time. And, and speaking of, of some of the lighter, <laughs> more comedic moments, uh, years after Teen Titans was off the air, uh, a little very divisive, apparently, show, I, as I found <laughs> out on Twitter recently. Um, oh. t- 
tweet us at at DCAU review. I'm looking forward to hearing <laughs> hearing the responses. But I think Cal, it's safe to say between the two of us, we are both we both enjoy uh, Scott Menville's performance on the Teen Titans Go show as much, and maybe in some ways more than the original Teen Titans. Titans, this is the fourth fire this week I've had to put out with my sweet ninja moves. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Could you also change the channel? And fix the TV. What is up with this team lately? Being a superhero is hard. Sometimes the period of the vegetabling out is most necessary. Looks like your rest and relaxation is over, Titans. Brother Blood has kidnapped the city council. Titans, go! Uh, Do we have to? Yeah, I really don't feel like teleporting instantly across the entire city. Fine. Since you're all lazy and unprepared anyway, I'll just take my other team. What is this other team? Oh, you don't know about my other team? Well, maybe a little birdie can tell you all about it. Dude, what was Teen Titans meet Team Robin? This is Robin. Hi there. Robin. Well, hello. And finally, Robin. Sup. Whoa, there are three other Robins? Oh, there have been more than that. Golly, our chum Batman does go through a sidekick or two. But we're the best of the best. That's right, Robin. Now, if you'll excuse us, we have a city council to save. Robins, go! Ah! Mission complete. Nice work, Robin. Couldn't have done it without you, Robin. Golly, Robin, you were amazing! They've really zeroed in on a very specific, weird, neurotic version <laughs> of Robin in this show. And Scott Menzel is so funny to me in this show. He's so great at it. Yeah. Um, I, I So before before I go in and talk about Teen Titans Go, um, I, I will mention to you. So, yes, between the two of us, you are definitely the bigger Teen Titans fan. Uh, it was just the state of how things were at that time. It was running around. I think it ran at the same time of Justice League, if I'm not not mistaken. Correct. So uh, it was airing on Cartoon Network. We've talked before. We didn't have... Uh, I, I've never had cable at that time. Our parents had split and you had you had gotten uh, cable access on the weekends when you were uh, visiting one of our parents. So you had more access to it, would be able to watch it more regularly. And I sort of lived vicariously through you. I <laughs> uh, wasn't, wasn't as big of a fan uh, from the get-go just because I wasn't a fan of the animation style as much. And I was sort of hoping that it would fit into the DCAU, which of course it did not. But, uh, you know, I think those later seasons, especially when they started doing the Red X storyline and, and, and everything with the when things got. I, th- I think they were sort of searching for an identity in, in those early, early things they, or early seasons. There, there wasn't really a, a long term storytelling. It was sort of self-contained episodes. But when they when they began the, the long term storytelling and, you know, some of those storylines, the Beast Boy and, and Terra 
uh, storyline yeah. took off, I, I think I, I really began to appreciate it. And, and you're right, Scott Menville is obviously as the leader of the the Teen Titans, he played a big role in that. And his his rivalry with Slade, uh, aka Deathstroke, because we can't say Deathstroke on a children's <laughs> cartoon, uh, is to me is one of in DC animation one of the best storylines ever. It's one of the greatest rivalries. It goes goes right. It's right up there with Batman and Joker and Superman and Luthor. It's it was done really really well. Um, yeah. Definitely. Now, <laughs> oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say. I mean that 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 uh, that Slade rivalry really permeated the, the early seasons of the show and then sort of as Slade would come back occasionally first in the, an episode called Haunted where Robin keeps seeing him when he isn't there and mm-hmm. uh, sort of having wide awake nightmares as he's and his, his body is sort of physically wrecking itself because it, he can't he can't be convinced that Slade isn't actually there and that his friends aren't actually in danger and then what are you doing here you're supposed to be finding the generators I don't think there are any generators, man. We looked everywhere. Slade must be cloaking them, just like he's cloaking himself. That's why you couldn't see him. But if I could not see him, why could you? What are you trying to say? Robin, are you sure you really saw Slade? Saw him? I fought him! You think I did this to myself? Dude, this is the only way out, and we are standing here the whole time. No one got past us. No one was in here but us. I don't have time for this. I have to find those generators. There are no generators. There is no Slade. I know what I saw! I have to stop him. I'm the only one who can. And I'll take down anyone who gets in my way! In the fourth season, when they they decided to adapt the Trigon storyline and Slade becomes sort of the the silver surfer type the the herald of the coming apocalypse and he he actually kind of moves on from from Robin and and focuses in on Raven at that point but Robin's Robin's reactions of still seeing this hated villain and eventually he and Slade are sort of forced to team up to, to save to save Raven and save the world and yeah the whole the whole arc of an evolution of that rivalry throughout the whole series is, is definitely one that sticks out to me in the same way that uh, uh to your point to a dark side and superman or or something like that uh for sure i think it's it's on that same level agreed all right now on to the ever divisive and controversial statements <laughs> about how much we love teen titans go um i i i don't know i i know there's a very loud vocal and i believe minority because of just how many times that cartoon network plays teen titans go <laughs> per day uh, because it must be pretty popular whether it's with just the sheer younger crowd or or what i don't know what the viewership numbers look like for cartoon network these days and what demographics they attract but uh, i know there are a lot of shows on cartoon network that are geared more towards adults so who's to say uh, with that said, as somebody who is over the age of 30, uh, I greatly enjoy Teen Titans Go just because it is a lighter, goofier look at that team. It does feel familiar because you have the voice voice cast. And again, Scott Menville, as you said, is the neurotic, uh, determined to show off and be the leader. And it just takes all the the cliches from 
the Teen Titans show originally and, and just sort of exploits them and makes makes light of them a little bit. I think that the people that really love, which is interesting that you you also find appreciation for it because I think the people that really, really love that original Teen Titans series feel like maybe it's making fun of it or making fun of them. And I don't think that's the case except for that episode where they do make fun of people that... <laughs> <laughs> they they do the super serious episode. Um, uh, I think I think they just are laughing at themselves a little bit, and it doesn't do to me. It doesn't take away from that original series as much as it does just make a expose those characters to a to kids that can grow up enjoying them just as much. And who knows, maybe when they hit their teens, they'd be interested in watching that original series. Yeah. But, but yeah, with Scott Mimble's performance and that he's, he's clearly just the uber macho determined to show, like show off trying to win Starfire's heart, no matter what. And, uh, and always comes up short. He ends up being the, the butt of the joke uh, a lot of times, but uh, yeah, he, he, t- for him to play two very, the same character in two very different ways, uh, I, I have like, there's no doubt he needs to be on this list. Absolutely. Um, and, and yeah, it's like I said, I, I think it's cleverly written. I've, I've never seen the comedy in that show as directly making fun of or saying, ha, we think the original Teen Titans show was stupid or we think superheroes in general are stupid. And I think sometimes superhero comedy can veer into that territory um, mm-hmm. We've talked about that, I think, maybe in passing with some of the lighter, more comedic uh, Marvel stuff, I think sometimes veers into let's just mock the tropes of superheroism. Uh, and I've never really felt that with Teen Titans. I think the writing is very clever. I think uh, they poke fun in a loving way, at, a, at as you mentioned, the original Teen Titans series, but also just sort of the superhero genre as a whole. And at the same time, like I, I, all of, all of the, the main actors, as you mentioned, came back for the show, but like, especially I think with Scott Medival character, like he commits like that. Robin is not winking at the camera being like, it's not a, you know, it's, it's, it's Robin in that show is still the, you know, create he's turned up to, you know, 25 or whatever but he's still that determined serious guy who's trying to get the rest of the titans to to take everything seriously and go fight evil and and things like that so like it still has the elements of of that version of robin it's just played for laughs and that to me i never felt that was an insult to the original show i think the original show is great and hey would i like to see more of the original show come back one day of course i would i loved that show but to me, there's mm-hmm. there's no reason that we can't have our you know our yin and our yang. You know, we can have we can have some we can have fun and we can have laughs with Teen Titans Go. And then if you know if if you want the more serious show, I mean that's that's the other thing too. I think when reboots or new television versions or movie versions of characters come out, that doesn't mean the old ones go away. You know, like right. <laughs> Blu-rays and streaming services and things still exist. It doesn't in it doesn't invalidate or uh, you know devalue the older things that you like. So if you just love the original Teen Titans and you hate Teen Titans Go, that's okay, man. You you can you can watch the original show and love that show like I do. But I think I really do feel like maybe some people just disliked Teen Titans Go as a concept 
and decide mm-hmm. and maybe decided they didn't want to like it before they ever actually liked it and figured out what it was. I I would concur. Yeah, just just lighten up and let us enjoy it if we like it, and if you don't like it, that's okay. You don't have to watch it, like you said. Also, the songs in the Teen Titans Go movie are great. Oh my goodness! I think we just need to drop some of the Teen Titans Go songs. Uh, yes. The night begins to shine. I, I yeah. think we can just play that out. We'll just play that out for the rest of the episode, and won't even record <laughs> the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll just use that for our outro. But anyway, All right, that okay. sounds good. Well, All right, moving bring on. Bring us Cal to our final uh, entry on our five favorite versions of Robin in animation and. There are a lot of other ones that we obviously have not mentioned. This wasn't meant to be a a total history of Robin and animation, and maybe we'll come back and list some more someday. But uh, our number one, even though, again, as we said, it's not really a what, five to one or one to five type of list, but we wanted to mm-hmm. end with, uh, for our show and for us as fans, I mean, I think undoubtedly the most important one for us, and that being the original Batman the Animated Series, uh, Lauren Lester's uh, voice acting portrayal as Robin. And uh, and that, that version of Robin where, again, it sort of dawns on you that you can treat Robin seriously, especially if, for when I was a very little kid and I had exposure to like the Adam West show and reruns where Robin's this guy running around in, in short pants <laughs> With, uh, you know, with with stockings on, and then to see this sort of very serious taken, like uh, edgy, cool guy, uh, you know, capable Robin, um, having having a more serious Robin, and have again having Robin be able to be in this world in this gritty, serious Batman the Animated Series world, and not feel out of place was, I'm sure, a tightrope to walk. Like I mentioned with with uh, the new Batman Adventures. But uh, man, if they didn't, they didn't do a great job with with him overall. And I know, I know, there's probably quite a few episodes that we could mention, Cal. But there's, I think there's one in particular that definitely stands out when we're talking about uh, the Batman the Animated Series, Dick Grayson, Robin. Yeah, and uh, I think for a lot of people that that episode would likely stick out to them. That, of course, being Robin's Reckoning. Um, we we talked early in some of our episodes that Lauren Lester maybe struggled in a couple of those early ones. And some of it may have been just finding footing and some of it may have just been him uh, looking to, uh, you know, being given bad material. (laughs) Um, But, you know, in Robin's Reckoning, which we did uh, cover on episode 80, which you can hear, of course, in the archives at DCAUreview.com or streaming on your favorite podcast app. Uh, So, Robin's Reckoning, Liam, that was the episode that we talked about was sort of Lauren Lester's coming out party. That was a performance that required uh, a very wide range of emotions. He still has a little bit of quippiness to him at the beginning of the episode as he and Batman are staking out a, a construction site. There's some some quips and some some goofiness to his, his, his lines, but there's a couple serious scenes. And one of them is the scene where he speaks uh, with Alfred after he finds out that 
Tony Zuko is the man that they're hunting down. And But there's this raw emotion that comes out of Lauren Lester's performance as Batman tells him that he has to sit this one out. Robin is Robin's going to sit on the sidelines and Batman's going to handle it. You can't take this one. Zuko's mine. Sorry, Robin. But on this team, I call the shots. But I've waited half my life. Batman out. Oh, no. He's not going to ace me out. Please, Master Dick, you must do as he says. Not this time, Alfred. Maybe not ever again. Ultimately, we know it's because Batman was worried that, that Robin would kind of go over the edge and, and take take justice into his own hands. But man, what a scene between back and forth between Batman and Robin and then Robin and Alfred. Yeah, that is a, a really special moment in, in that series, that two-part episode. It, it really delves into, obviously, in the flashbacks they show, you get to see Dick Grayson as a kid dealing with the death of, of his parents and, and Bruce sort of, again, uh, sort of as, as we talked about with the Batman, Bruce sort of being ill-equipped to mentor him or, or be sort of a father figure to him without letting Dick know the secret and letting him know that he's Batman. And it's sort of juxtaposed with the present day of uh, Dick Grayson, who has had he believes in batman he's fighting by his side he's his partner and then he sort of comes to find out that that batman's sort of trying to cut him out and trying to keep him from even really knowing that that tony zuko is is back in gotham city and uh you know the line that always sticks out in my brain is i waited half my life like this has been this has been this thing that has gnawed at at Dick Grayson for, for so many years. And he finally has an opportunity and, and Batman's trying to make him sit it out. And uh, so he, he goes out on his own. He strikes out on his own, as you mentioned, and it sort of culminates, culminates at the end of part two as, as uh, Robin does in fact, get to confront Tony Zuko on, on the docks. And he, he sort of has this moment where it's his decision and whether or not he will, uh, whether or not he will will kill Tony Zuko, uh, you know, he has to choose between vengeance and justice, and uh, they they really hit it really hits home in that moment when he makes that decision. Enough. You can't let your emotions get the best of you. 
Stuff your advice, Batman. You and your stone-cold heart. You don't know how I feel. How could you? Batman, I... I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. Yeah, they're, those are both very, very, very powerful scenes. And I know we have... Uh, once we get later into when Batman the Animated Series became the Adventures of Batman and Robin, there, Robin is featured on nearly every episode, if not every episode at that point. Uh, so we have definitely more opportunities to get some Lauren Lester critiquing in. But this episode thus far, it's going to be hard for me uh, for those two individual scenes. And just like I said, the raw emotion that he's able to convey, you really believe that that this character is, has is coming to this point where he's going to be able to finally get revenge on the man who's responsible for killing his parents. It's, it's as if Batman himself has confronted his killer. Um, so, you know, his, his parents killer. So when you have that, that opportunity, to, which you don't really get to see most of the time, and you certainly don't get to see it in the DCAU of Batman confronting his parents killers, you know, this is the sort of what if, what would happen and um, thankfully, Batman is sort of there to talk Robin off the ledge, so to speak. But man, what a what a great, great pair of scenes. Yeah, and it, I think in the original, like in Robin's origin story and a lot of the versions of that Dick Grayson character, he does catch Zuko pretty early on. So that's, that's sort of part of it is Batman allows him to become Robin in order to sort of get the closure that Batman never got. And so he isn't sort of plagued by thoughts of vengeance throughout his whole childhood. Uh, whereas obviously this version went a different direction and where his, his, his chance for revenge is delayed. And, uh, you know, Zuko gets away from, from Batman and him when, when he is a child and, and he never has the chance to confront him again until he's now, he's now a man. He's now a, you know, a college age man. And, he has to again come to grips with that situation again, as you mentioned, the same way that Batman would, as 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 an adult, having the you know the rage of this this small child who watched his parents die, and yeah, that that's that emotion really comes through, and uh, certainly as as we got into the new Batman Adventures and that version of Robin became Nightwing, um, it's it's certainly we get to see the evolution of that character. I I certainly wish he had gotten to continue to show up and maybe we had found out a little bit more about what happened to him post the new Batman adventures, but that's a, mm -hmm. maybe that's a, maybe that's a, a topic for another bonus episode. The, uh, the DCAU what ifs uh, mm. somewhere down the lines. That's a, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little seed I'm planting. I love uh, it. Maybe, maybe it'll, maybe it'll sprout one day, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think that episode in particular, and uh, it, it showed, again, it, it showed Lauren Lester's range as an actor as well, because as you mentioned, he had really been the quip guy for a lot of uh, the episodes we had reviewed up to that point in the series, and uh, had been very sort of almost like a stereotypical teenage character in a, in a cartoon, and, and this episode we got to see him go through all those different emotions of, of confronting Zuko, and man, he, he knocks it out of the park, and some really great animation and music in that episode as well. And it's, it's just special, but uh, yeah, I, de I definitely think we, we want, we certainly wanted to bookend it with, we are after all a DCAU uh, podcast. So while there are many great versions of Robin in animation, I think we, I think, I think anyone listening knew we kind of had to bookend it with the, uh, the two main continuity uh, DCAU Robins. 
Uh, yeah, we, we would have been silly not to do that. So glad, <laughs> glad that we aren't silly geese <laughs> and we did what we were supposed to do. So nor are we silly robins. That oh man, bird puns, love it. Yeah, Robin, Robin would be proud. <laughs> All right, everybody, that will wrap us up for bonus episode number four. Thank you so much for checking this episode out. Uh, Don't forget, as Liam mentioned in the middle of the episode, we want to hear your feedback about this stuff. Uh, If you love Robin as much as we do, or even if you don't, tweet us your favorite (laughs) Robins. Uh, What Robin would you have put on this list that we did not include? There were a couple that we debated. And again, remember, this isn't a comprehensive list. So give us your five favorite Robins or your five five Robins or maybe five Robins that we could have included that uh, you want to throw on here. Maybe you love Casey Kasem's Robin from the Super Friends cartoons. Uh, Casey Kasem doing the Robin (laughs) voice from Super Friends. Uh, Yeah, if you didn't didn't know Casey Kasem, a.k.a. uh, also Shaggy from uh, Scooby-Doo, also also did Robin's voice in Super Friends. Fun fact. Uh, Yeah, so if you have a Robin that we should have included, think we should have included, or maybe that uh, you just is near and dear to your heart for some reason, tweet Liam at DCAU Review on Twitter. Don't forget, you can also check us out on Instagram at DCAU Review. We post preview clips, also have some exciting stuff coming up. Don't forget, just a few short weeks, it's our 100th episode of the DCAU Review. We're going to be promoting the crap out of that. Lots of fun stuff coming your way with that. Uh, anything else, Liam? No, I, I think that's definitely it. We definitely want to hear from you at TCAU Review on Twitter and on Instagram. You'll always know about our upcoming episodes uh, and just generally other any other things related to DC Comics or specifically the DCAU. We're usually talking about it on the, uh, on the social medias. So definitely be sure to follow us and, and uh, let us know what you think. Yeah, don't forget also, last plug, like, subscribe, and uh, leave us a review for our podcast. It helps us out immensely. When you like and subscribe, of course, you will get your episodes delivered to you as soon as they're available. You can also check us out at dcaureview.com where you can break down, find those other bonus episodes or the entire DCAU review catalog. So check that out there. So until next time, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Goodbye.